On December 16, 1773, three ships had been in Boston Harbor for nearly three weeks, loaded with chests of tea awaiting payment, including the tea taxes levied by the British government. Samuel Adams and other Sons of Liberty didn't mind paying taxes in the colonies where they had representatives in their government, but as they had no representatives in British Parliament, constitutionally they shouldn't have to pay this tea tax. John the Baptist also spoke about something that was illegal, a man marrying his brother's wife. This was no more legal in the Roman system of the early first century than it is here today, and yet some people, like King Herod, and like members of the 1773 British Parliament, feel that their position places them beyond the bounds of the law. Whose job is it to restrain them? One theme of today's gospel passage is power. Book-ending this passage is the story of Jesus sending the disciples out to heal and to cleanse and to cast out demons. And Herod was hearing about this kind of power of Jesus, and it reminded him of John. Oh, yes, John, whom he had had killed. Prior to that, though, for some reason, Herod liked to listen to John, even though John told Herod what he was doing was wrong. How many of us like to hear people tell us what we're doing is wrong? Zero. And although Herod had had John bound and arrested, he had John protected from his wife, who wanted to kill him. Apparently, Herodias enjoyed her illegal marriage to Herod, even though he was considered a weak king. He had the power to do as he pleased, and some people enjoy power a little too much. And so, in the story of John the Baptist, we have a clash of king and prophet, a clash between political power and truth. Sometimes political power picks up truth like a WWE wrestler and slams it on the floor, leaving it breathless and broken. Do you ever feel like that? Have you ever tried to take a stand and the negative powers of the world squeeze the air right out of you and leave you feeling weak and helpless? What a birthday party Herod had thrown for himself. All these military leaders and impressive people gathered together. And his daughter danced. And he loved it so much that he promised her, promised her anything she wanted, up to half of the kingdom. Well, he had to have some limits, right? But this girl, also called Salome, was learning from her mother about power as well. And she asked her mother. Herodias's patience had paid off. Now she could silence her critic forever. Now, could Herod have said no to his wife again? 
Could he have stood up to her power and said to his wife and daughter in front of all his guests that that was an inappropriate request? Now perhaps we see why he was considered a weak king. Power can be perplexing, and yet it's worth reflecting on power, how we use our power and how power uses us. Max Lucado wrote a story about one New Year's Day in the Tournament of Roses parade. A beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quit. It was out of gas, and the whole parade was held up until someone could go get a can of gas. And the amusing thing was that this float represented the Standard Oil Company. (laughs) And so with its vast resources, its truck was still out of gas. In the last chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells his followers, we will be clothed with power. But too often we forget this power that we have. We forget that we have this power from the Holy Spirit that gives us the energy and the power to move forward even when we feel like we have run out of gas. As you walk into Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, you're greeted in the entrance hall by an impressive display of old maps, European paintings and sculptures, animal skins and Indian artifacts like those collected and sent back by Lewis and Clark on their expeditions. The curators of Monticello tell us that these were objects that Jefferson hoped would demonstrate to his family and visitors the diversity of the world beyond Monticello. His objective in creating his museum was to place himself and Monticello within the context of this larger world. And one room over in the parlor, hang, there are some busts around the room, and then there are lots of pictures on the wall. And one of them is Herod's daughter holding a platter with the head of John the Baptist. Now, well, your look, Linda, is <laughs> echoes mine. Why in the world would Jefferson have such a gruesome painting in a room where people play games and music. The painter gave the girl an expression, not of joy and victory, but as one critic noted, that of a used child. Herod's daughter was used by power. I wonder whether Jefferson kept that picture in his parlor as a reminder of what happens when power is not used well. Jane Goodall wrote in her autobiography about visiting the city of Cologne in Germany not long after World War II. She said that like so many German cities, it had been destroyed by the heavy bombing of the Allied forces during the war. And as she gazed, horrified at the ruins, she suddenly saw the great spire of the Cologne Cathedral rising from the rubble of the surrounding buildings. 
And to her, that was a message symbolizing the ultimate power of good over evil. At the same time, a once beautiful city was reduced to ruins because of one man's lust for power that had plunged Europe into brutal war, she said. It was a compelling reminder of human evil. I shall never forget that sight. It meant quite as much as all the sermons I had listened to at Bournemouth. So powerful was the symbolism. When we read the story of John the Baptist, we want to see the spire of the Cologne Cathedral coming up out of that rubble. Calvary uses a cycle of scripture readings called the lectionary. And when I saw that the gospel passage for today was this one on a day when we would be commissioning the Standing Rock team, I thought of skipping it. But in its harshness lies deep truth, which we must not ignore. Being faithful to God is costly. It cost John the Baptist his life. It cost Jesus his life. What does it cost us to be faithful to God? For the Standing Rock Mission team, it costs them eight days of their lives for the trip itself. It costs many more hours raising funds, planning, packing, and repacking. It costs several hundred dollars. For those of us who stay in Roanoke, what does it cost us to be faithful to God? How well do we use our power? John, the Baptist, had power. He had the power of his voice. He had the power of his past actions and therefore his reputation. And he used that power for good. Sometimes we think we give that word power a negative connotation, but it's only negative if it's used negatively or to hurt someone else. A few of us have public power similar to John the Baptist's. Others of us would no more speak up in public than a deer would avoid eating a tomato. But we have the power to be witnesses in one-on-one interactions. Some of you have the power to pray well. Some of you have the power of hospitality. Some of you have the power of knowledge. And these are wonderful gifts, but they mean nothing if we keep them in a jar like a trapped lightning bug. They mean little if we keep them hidden inside these church walls like a trapped lightning bug. They touch few people if we guard them inside our homes or our families like a trapped lightning bug. That lightning bug that flashes its light, but nothing happens. And eventually it dies. Now, I know that there are some of you and some of our members of this congregation who can no longer come, who wonder what power you still have. If you have retired or your children have left home or you've been laid off from your job or you no longer find meaning in what you're doing, you feel drained of the power you had for so long. 
as we age and we lose the abilities that we had, such as to drive or to cook or to fix things around the house, we begin to wonder why we should stick around on earth. Samuel Adams and the Sons of Liberty were angry with the British Parliament about this tea tax without that proper representation. And when their complaints fell on deaf ears, they took action. They boarded those ships and turned Boston Harbor into a giant teacup. They used their power to be bold witnesses for what they believed was righteous. And I believe that all of us have power whether we're a year old, whether we're five or eight or 11 or 15, all the way up into our 90s and beyond. Whether we have the physical abilities that we once had or not, we all have the power of community. We all have the power of compassion, the power to care for each other. And that is what we can use for God's glory. Now, it may take some digging. It may take some searching. You may be wondering, ah, or, or saying, preacher, you're wrong. I don't have any power. I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too shy. But that's not the case. The Holy Spirit is alive and working within us to empower us and others through us, to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. God empowers our Standing Rock mission team. God empowers those of us who stay home. And through our prayers, that Holy Spirit empowers all of those for whom we pray. There's a story that came from the Gospel Herald, anonymous, but someone has, a couple had stopped at a garage just at dusk one evening. This apparently was in the older days. Something about the engine needed attention, and a mechanic examined the trouble in the car while a helper stood by directing the beams of a powerful flashlight into the recesses under the hood. And then something attracted the helper's attention, and he turned away. He inadvertently turned off the light or, you know, made it go somewhere else. And the mechanic looked up and with a good-natured impatience exclaimed, Shine your light. What are you here for anyway? And so take that question with you. Shine your light. What are you here for anyway? Let's pray. You call each of us, O oh God, and we thank you. We thank you for privilege and responsibility, and we thank you that we are not alone. And so light the world through us, we pray, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Lord. Amen.